never say die! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 220 of Fortigon on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And if you receive a package from me that contains any sort of body part, you should consider it a major award. It better it's be a, it better be one of your legs in fishnet. It's fragile. <laughs> Grim Christmas story joke or a cry for help? You decide. <laughs> <laughs> All right. depend, I think that depends on whose body part it is. Wait, yeah. did you say in fishnets or a fishing net? Fish and nets, just like, like that, the joke is gone. There was a joke there? I yeah. we if you talking. like jokes, then you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective. You like body parts. <laughs> Such as Joel's own The Coffin Joe cast with Kilowilba. Dating baggage. I am Salt Lake. Tales from the Hard Side, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yep. Rad Dad! <laughs> <laughs> what the? What? That's Rad Dad. Rad Dad. <laughs> All right. Skate off. So if you're looking for some of our older stuff, we're on iTunes, Blu-ray, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and we are on Geek Life Radio Saturdays at noon, right after the Turnbuckle Throwbacks, I believe. Still, yeah, I don't know if that's still a thing. But right after the left field sports lounge. Yeah. So, um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, seven zero eight now wrap. That's seven zero eight six six nine. And what was the the dead babies in Hitler hour? Nine seven two seven. What? If you'd like to complain about Patrick's callback because you didn't hear the original and are just outrageously offended, what's that number again, Mike? That would be seven zero eight now wrap. 708-669-9727 for all Can your racist complaining needs. For, you know, if you're offended by something that Patrick said, <laughs> then you're on the wrong show. Nine of that, Pat. If you want cotton and cotton candy and non-offensiveness, go listen to uh, Coffin Joe Cast. Uh, no, it's maybe, pretty offensive, and they didn't give me any cotton candy when I was on. Yeah, I, I say I, maybe the... Probably Red the radio hour. <laughs> okay, I think it's about that time. I don't know. I want them to do it again. <laughs> do what again? Give me another Rad Dad. <laughs> Rad. This week in music, movies, and TV. All right. I just realized we haven't told anybody what this show is about today. I mentioned it. You did? With the severed body parts and all. Oh, yeah. Because everybody. The the Christmas story, man. That's what we watched. We watched the classic 1983 callback to Wanting Presents as a Child, A Christmas Story, and A Christmas Story 2. Which I just was, watched a, a bunch more Julianne Moore movies. Which was a thing. Oh, fudge. So... Only he didn't say fudge. And he didn't start the music segment. <laughs> music! That November, November 18th, 1983. November 18th, 1983. Way to jump the gun, Goal. Joel. Goal? No, that was Josh. Goal! Josh, that was Josh me. Pushed, Josh pushed. He did not jump. He was pushed. So... All you fans out there, you get what you pay for. That's all I'm saying, man. Joel! Joel, Joel, Joel! Okay. 
Music. <laughs> the number one song is All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Wait. The number one song is All Night Long, All Night by yeah, Lionel yeah. All Night Long, All, all night. night. All Night. You be just hey, No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you cannot. I want to bet? Yeah. You lose. Pay me. God damn it. <laughs> Hello? That's it. Is it terrible. me you're looking for? Uh, no. You'll oh. be dancing on the ceiling. You have to like that because it has oh. Rodney Dangerfield in it. Patrick. I like the video. Yeah, you have to like the video because it has Rodney Dangerfield. <gasps> I just mute it. The bet's still on. That's how Patrick, <laughs> that's how Patrick watches, watched MTV. He had it on mute. <laughs> I hate everything that's cool, but I like the music videos. Like anyway. You mean Lana Ritchie? Oh, Tom got, Evans. You got me. <laughs> Guitarist, bassist, and lead backup vocalist of Badfinger was a founding member along with Pete Ham of the band that has one of the saddest stories in all of modern music. Evans was a co-write of the, the Haunting Without You, popularized by Harry Nielsen. I didn't get it wrong, though. Nope. The first band signed to the Beatles' Apple Records. They had several top ten hits and enjoyed much success in the 70s before they dissolved Verham's suicide in 1975. After a few failed comeback tours and a few lawsuits, in 1983, with a bitter argument with guitarist nope. Joey nope. Moland... After a bitter, not with, we're just after... You said in 1983 with a bitter argument. That's what you right. said. After a bitter argument with guitarist Joey Moland about the royalties for Without You, Evans hanged himself in his garden. Those who knew him said he'd never gotten over Ham's suicide, who were both absorbed. Wow. Yep. Dark. More like a lot of death from in bad finger. All night long. All night. All night. Hanging all night long. All night. And finally, Tyler James Hilton was born November 22nd, an American singer, songwriter, and actor. Hilton began his career in 2000. Since the release of his debut album, Hilton has ventured into acting, guest starring on One Tree Hill, and playing the role of Elvis Presley in the Johnny Cash biopic, Walk the Line. He also appeared in Taylor Swift's music video, Teardrops on My Guitar. You know, all that back and forth, and none of you guys came up with Hanging from the Ceiling. Sorry. Uh, it's been bugging me the whole time Joel went through that last one. Like, we could be uh, so much more offensive. We just said this. <laughs> oh, what a feeling. But <laughs> uh, you're hanging from the scene. That is good. Yeah. <laughs> Movies. The fuck is wrong the with Big us. Chill is the number one movie in the land, which that has an all. awesome soundtrack. It really, it really does. does. I, we mentioned it in the soundtrack episode. Indeed. Yeah. Go back and listen to it if you want to hear it. Movies released this week include Terms of Endearment, Star 80, Amityville 3D, and Yentl. Whole lot of depression there. You hated Amityville 3D? Whole lot of depression there. (laughs) (laughs) Marcel Dalio, born born Israel Moshe Blauschild, was a French character actor. He had major roles in two films directed by Jean Renoir, Grand Illusion, and The Rules of the Game. In the uncredited role of Emile the Croupier in Casablanca, he appeared when Captain Renault ah, closes down Rick's Café Americaine 
Using the pretext, I am shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. Emil approached him and handed him his usual bribe money, saying, You're winning, sir. Dalio, who appeared in almost 150 movies, died in Paris on 18 November 1983 at the age of 83. Wow, that was totally cut and pasted from something. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah in yeah, Britain, yeah. Yeah, I didn't change it. Sorry. No, it's fine. It threw me for a second. <laughs> Adam Driver, American actor. I was, I was just going to say real quick, the reason I included that, that's my favorite scene in Casablanca. Oh, it's a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked to find Gamma going on. You're winning, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. That was him. Meep, meep. Right. Continuing. Sorry. Adam Driver, American actor, born November 19th, rose to prominence in the supporting role of Adam Sackler in the HBO comedy drama series Girls. He went on to have roles in Inside Llewellyn Davis, Lincoln, While We're Young, and Hungry Hearts, among others. And oh. I am wearing a cartoon of him on my shirt right now. Oh, from the uh, from uh, Luke Lucky? <laughs> Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. Yeah, that's it. He was I don't in that think he's one. He only other films, though, recently. He had only one arm. <laughs> Not that I know of. Yeah. He's not really doing real well. Fuck are you guys on? <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, is Kylo Ren from yes. the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, I just happened to be wearing my Kylo Ren shirt today. Nice. nice. Uh, Harry Lloyd was born November 17th. He is an actor known for The Theory of Everything, The Iron Lady, and Jane Eyre. He is the great, great, great grandson of author Charles Dickens and has appeared in television adaptations of two of his novels, and he is the son of the children's book publisher, Marion Dickens. What a little Dickens. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you said it. Oh. I didn't said it. <laughs> I didn't uh, said it. <laughs> you like that? Confusion <laughs> all around. I do. <laughs> I didn't said it. All right, so TV, I'm 100 million people tuned in to watch The Day After, a miniseries about nuclear war, starring such people as Jason Robards, Joe Beth Williams, Steve Gutenberg, and John Lithgow. That freaked me out when I was younger. It freaked everybody out, man. True. It was a miniseries about nuclear war, premiered on ABC on November 20th. That the was Day After the has a weird connection to me and Dungeons and Dragons. Do tell. <laughs> there was a novelization of uh, The Day After that featured a character that was really interested in role-playing games, and there was a description of her uh, writing one about nuclear war, but there was also a description of her playing D&D before I'd ever played it, and it was one of the first things that got me interested in just the idea. I, I need to track whatever this is down. It sounds awesome. I thought that was Mazes and Monsters. That is a weird connection, by the way. Yeah, I, and I don't remember if that was a book that like, my mom got for me at a garage sale or what the deal exactly was. But I just remember the only things about the book that I remember are the vivid descriptions of what happens to a person when they're uh, exposed to a nuclear blast and the equally vivid descriptions of playing Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> they're kind of similar, actually. You need a better DM. Yeah, you're playing the wrong game, man. Well, we did have a nuclear explosion in one of our games. We did. And yes, Mike is no longer allowed to eat feta. <laughs> mm, feta cheese. Oh, my character carried a nuclear bomb down a bug hole. Yeah. Yep. And, and that was in D&D. &D. No, that wasn't. 
I know. So uh, have you heard of Alvin Jr. Samples? He was born April 10th, 1926. Uh-oh. I uh, was American <laughs> comedian, best known for, as an actor on the TV show Hee Haw. He became known for being a recorded, uh, recording comedic tall tales about fishing that became a best-selling novelty record. This uh, lead led on to his hiring on Hee Haw, where he had a 14-year run as a cast member. And then something happened. Oh, on that day. He, had, he had a massive heart attack and died this week. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he was. <laughs> forgot to include that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a 400-pound man and had a massive heart attack at age of 59 and died. Oh, what? Or 56 or whatever the hell he was. Yeah. Oh, that's okay then. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Awesome. He's a big. I got dude. like 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> and and you got to join Hee Haw. <laughs> and I'm bad at math. It's more like 15. <laughs> And he took off a leg already. To I thought we learned about the bunch. Now we're we, gonna call you Junior. Thought about <laughs> Josh's math skills on the Archie show. <laughs> Indeed. All right. All right. So Michael Conrad was a character actor who had an appearance in All in the Family, The Longest Yard, and the acronym of the week, which is C fifty four W A Y. Of course, that's uh, clitoris fifty four waits all year. <laughs> what? Um, I- I'm just working with what you gave me, dude. <laughs> No, that is Car 54. Where are you? It's talking about there's some niche stuff out there, man, but that is really narrow. 54 pound clitoris? What? <laughs> uh, however, he may be best known for his portrayal of veteran cop Sergeant Phil Esterhouse on Hill Street Blues, in which he ended the introductory roll call to each week's show with Let's Be Careful Out There. He won two Emmy Awards for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. Conrad died from urethral cancer. Uh, yeah. November 22nd, during the fourth season of Hill Street Blues, the show's writers wrote his death into the show. And he was absorbed painfully. Ow. Oh. I okay. Guilty conscience time. I've never, never seen it. I've never seen an episode of Hill Street Blues. God damn it! Is it is? I I know we say this about a lot, but it is really so good. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, if you didn't watch it back then in the 80s, I could see never having had a reason to watch it. Right. And it's, you know, I've, I've watched some of the episodes again, you know, because it's on Netflix and stuff. And I've, I've got it's a little bit rough with the pacing and some of the, you know, a little bit of the, night, the 80s acting and everything. But, the, you know, for the most part, it's really good. The plots are good and, the, you know, the stories are good. You know, so many characters, so many storylines. And it's just. Yeah, the I mean, modern it, cop show owes everything to it. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it 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 fought because it's one of those things where it set so many of the tropes that there there weren't tropes when they were doing it. So that that kind of thing we run into a lot, it seems. But um, well, it became the modern cop show because there were right. cop shows before it, but it it was a realistic portrayal of yeah. It was it was the first cop show to, to show the actors as human or show the characters as humans. You know, and they make mistakes and things like that, like. You know, Joe Friday never made a mistake at one ever in the show, you know? Yeah, um, that's the old cop shows were these adventure stories where the police were like the cowboys or soldiers of the shows that came before them. This was really the first police procedural drama. Right. That, sh- that oh. showed, you know, you know, the good and the bad of, of everything that the cops do, you know, and what it was, you know, they, they and they, there were so many different characters that they followed, you know, different storylines that. You know, one one week you'd be, you know, seeing the seedy underbelly of what it was like to be an uh, undercover cop, and the next time you'd be following a beat cop, and the next, you know, and next time you'd be following the captain. Was that a Stephen J. Cannell joint? I believe so. Yeah, I think that was his first big break. 
and the only thing I remember about Hill Street Blues, other than that the theme song and watching it occasionally as a kid, is there was an episode, I swear to God, and maybe you guys will remember this, but there was an episode involving some sort of a creature that lived in the sewer. I'm sure there was, yeah. And I don't know whatever happened, but I just remember seeing previews for it on TV, and I was like, "What the hell? What? What? What's happening?" It probably like was an alligator. It turned out to be an alligator or something, because they they would do some things like that where they you know like they would hear rumors of you know that the people are spreading about some kind of whatever, and they go check it out, and it turns out to be something mundane or whatever, you know. Like CSI I mean, in that furry show. Furry show. Furry. Yeah, living Hill, in Hill Street Blues. I, I definitely recommend it. All right. So, on November 24th, Sesame Street dealt with the sensitive issue of death when Big Bird learns the concept as it relates to his late friend, Mr. Hooper. Titled, Farewell, Mr. Hooper, it has made many lists as most influential moments in television history. Will Lee, the actor who played Mr. Hooper, died of a heart attack a few days before the recording. He was absorbed. There's two episodes of Hill Street Blues that came up when I did a search, one called Gator Bait. That doesn't have to do with a gator and the other one called phantom of the hill about a phantom of the hill that continues to terrorize people from the sewers that's probably it then holy shit <clears throat> i just looked up will lee what year was he born 19 or 18 1899 uh, i'm gonna go with 1903 uh 1902 <laughs> josh wins close but not over 1908 See, Joel, if you'd just gone prices right on me and gone 1904, you would have won. See? Yep. Was there a prize? No one won. won. You, there is a prize, but you're not going to know what it is now. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. Moving <laughs> yeah. on to sports. Bobby Allison wins at the 33rd Annual Sprint Cup on November 20th. That is a NASCAR event, for those of you not in the know. <laughs> Sadly, I am in the know, apparently. And lastly, on November 20th, the New York Giants' Butch Woolfolk ties the NFL record of 43 rushing attempts for a total of 59 yards. 159 yards. Woolfolk. That's what I said. <laughs> no, you didn't. I know. Woolfolk. Total of 159 yards. Edit that in. Fix that in post. Is that... Is that your sweater? Is it cotton? Oh. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, it's wool. Why? Every time it rains, he swells up because he's one of the wool folk. <laughs> <laughs> he took a shower with too hot water. He's only wool three feet tall. Come, come the on. <laughs> wool folk. Wool folk versus centaur. Boom, boom. You, come on, from uh, Haunted Honeymoon? He can't say the do- letter W? <laughs> I vaguely remember yeah, that. Yeah, same now. here. I forgot all about that. <laughs> it's got Dom DeLuise in drag. How can you go no, wrong? No, not the movie. I just forgot about the W guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the when they when they cut to Dom DeLuise breaking character during the recording. Yep. He's, you know. It's a great movie. Very underrated. Yep. Joel, play us off. That's the end of the tweet. No, 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 no. So, now that the holidays and Christmas time is around, one of the movies that always falls into the rotation 
You'll is, shoot your eye out. Exactly. Is the Christmas story. A Christmas story. Yeah, apparently if you're our age group, it is predicted by a survey that this will be your favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> Heard that on not, a morning radio show. It's not mine. Yeah, I would say it's not mine either. Yeah, It's not mine either, but it, that was a, a funny little tidbit. Yeah. Mine's Die Hard. <laughs> My, mine is uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, Gr- I'm with Pat on that one. Mine is Gremlins. That would be my second favorite. Yeah. This might be third, though. It's yeah, in the top this, ten. This is, yeah, Christmas Story is definitely in my top top three. All right, so everybody knows this one. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, Christmas Story, Rotten Tomatoes, currently 89, 88%. So I, I forget. Is that at that point? It's 89 I, out of 88? In no, 89, 89 critics, 88 audience. Yes. Oh, okay. So uh, 89%. I give it a 7 out of 5. Yeah, this is... <laughs> With rice, it's seven. It's three out of seven. Um, this is directed by Bob Clark, who is known for directing such classics as Porky's one and two. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen this, but Turk one eighty two. I have not, and I want to. Oh, really good. Um, it's 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 a movie about a a younger brother whose brother is a fireman. And he gets hurt, and in order to bring up the fact that his, his the city is not taking care of the hurt firemen, he starts tagging everything as Turk 182. Huh. It's actually a pretty good movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it stars... Hang on. Uh, Robert Ulrich and Timothy Hutton. Hmm. Starring All Kim, right. Kim Cattrall and Robert Culp and Peter Boyle. So, okay. pretty That's good movie. cast. Um, yeah. Amazing Stories. He is the one who directed Remote Control Man. If you remember, I vaguely that. remember that episode. Yeah, the the guy who just wants to get away from everything, and he winds up using the magical remote control to put himself in the middle of a team. And then I'm assuming Joel put Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things in here. Yeah, he did that in Black Christmas, which he's got a very diverse resume. Well, one of these movies, <clears throat> I th- let's see, this one's 1972, so I'm guessing it's Black Christmas. He cut a deal with the studio to get a Christmas story done by agreeing to do another horror movie. Hmm. So I'm thinking Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things is the one. No, that he did that one on his own. He oh, financed he it on his own. Um, Black Christmas was 74. Okay. Uh, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things was 72. Uh, but, yeah, sadly we lost him, but mm. he... Uh, he had a very interesting career. Well, uh, this is also uh, by, based off the book by Gene Shepard, the novel he wrote called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. And he is the uh, person who did the voiceover as Adult Ralphie. Okay, so yeah, that's that's the person who wrote the whole shebang, basically. Right. It was written and turned into a screenplay by Lee Brown and Bob Clark himself. Lee Brown uh, did, uh, well, A Christmas Story, and outside of that, really nothing. Um, Christmas Story <laughs> Live. <laughs> it's, you know, they're, uh, they, I don't want to say they're milking it, but they got a good thing. They know what they, they know their stuff and they do it well. Yeah, and that's another reason why it's apropos for us to do this show now, is with uh, Christmas Story Life just having released. Right. Yeah, it just and happened, what, less than a week ago? Did any of us watch it? No. No. 
No. I heard it was a train wreck. But Christmas. That's a shame. Yeah. So this stars Melinda Dillon as Mother Parker. You may remember her as Jillian Gouillere from uh, Close Encounters. The mother of the Oh, uh, yeah. We boy. talked about that when we did that. Yeah. And also Nancy Henderson from Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, and she was in Magnolia, which we just talked about last week. Yep. yep. Uh, Darren McGavin, who is known by us as Kalachek the Night Stalker, has also been in uh, Billy Madison, Raw Deal, Dead Heat. Uh, if you know him, you know him. He's Old Man Parker. No one gives you a Raw Deal. Right. Yeah, Kolchak is a great show. Oh, I love Kolchak. And it's one of those that's like nobody knows. Um, it, it, it's got a, a rabid fan base. Well, yeah, if our podcast had started in like 1998, we would have been doing a show that is Kolchak the Night Stalker versus X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> so now get this. We could still do the prisoner. Well, no, we couldn't do the prisoner. <laughs> yeah, we could. There was a no, remake. The, that the just, remake hadn't been made yet. No. Oh, yeah, that's true. So Peter Billingsley as Ralphie. Now, what has Peter Billingsley been doing since this time? Waiting for the sequel. Wrong. He is a producer on Iron Man, Four Christmases, Zarutha, A Space Adventure. He is an executive producer on F is for Family, um, The Undeniable Joe Buck, Sullivan and Son, Pursuit of Truth. Uh, so nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's good friends with uh, all those guys. Uh, I'm just blanking on the uh, Iron Man swingers, John Favreau. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's definitely kept himself busy, which good for you, Peter Billingsley. Uh, Scott Schwartz is flick. Yeah, and uh, we haven't gotten to the guy whose career has been practically biggest since this. Yeah. Well, and Scotty Schwartz went into porn briefly. Yes, he did. Oh dear God. Making well, the biggest. Wow, he made a he made the full gamut then because he's been in after school specials all the way to porn. <laughs> and to be fair, the acting quality is about the same. Right. So Good and point. his face never grew into his head either. So that's and pretty an bad. equal amount of drugs. <laughs> um, Ian Petrella as Randy, Teddy Moore as Miss Shields, R. D. Rob as Schwartz. Uh, also has been in Matilda, the Brady Bunch movie, and something called a oh, producer for 1.0. Currently, he's in one episode of The Goldbergs. And then before that, he did a voice in the video game Jade Empire, which came out. Ah. Yeah, which came out in 2005. So uh, stay relevant, RD Rob. Zach Ward. As all up until this day, I thought it was Scott, but no, it's Scott Farkas. And he's the one I was talking about. Yeah. His IMDb has 122 credits. This dude is in fucking everything. Yes. He's in Postal, Resident Evil, Freddy vs. Jason, Transformers. Uh, he has got three, four things for 2017, and something in 2018 called Swedish Dicks. Mmm. They're so fruity. He's been an American. Stuck in your teeth. Yeah, American Horror Story. He's been in that. He's been in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yep. Yeah, in a Cricket's Tale episode, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider video game. He did a voice. He's in Sharknado, oh, yeah. Heart of Sharkness. He has done a ton of voice work. I mean, this dude oh, has just been God. churning out movies year after year after year. 
pretty much since a Christmas story. Yep, CSI. Serious, serious C-list actor. Yeah, you know what though? If you could be a C-list actor, and with that kind of resume, I mean, you're always working, you're always making money, right? And he's good for him. And I think he was a uh, Scud. I just can't believe his name is Scud. It seems like uh, the, the Three Stooges joke we were making earlier. That Scud Farkas, yeah. He he's like <laughs> he's he's like the low rent Scott. Get Scud. He'll do it. <laughs> So that's, uh, why he's, that's why he's such a bully because he didn't get all the letters in his name. <laughs> they got him wear a stupid hat, right? Like we're gonna take away, we're gonna take away a T and turn the O into a U, and we're gonna make you wear this coonskin hat. And you know he was supposed to be a nice guy, but all those things pissed him off. All right, that is absolutely untrue. It's good. I mean, that's just the a- best theory I've had since my the last dragon was a parallel of Star Wars. Oh, Ooh. God, I had forgotten about that. <laughs> I didn't do it. I fought the urge. <laughs> All right, so some trivia. Now, for the this this always kind of bugged, I don't say bugged me, but I was curious about this. In the scene where Flick's tongue sticks to the flagpole, they actually had drilled a hole and had a suction tube that was used to safely create the illusion that his tongue had stuck to the metal. Huh. I know, right? Pretty damn clever. Hmm. They should have just stuck his tongue to the flagpole. I mean, it's easy to remove it. You just pour, you know, pour warm water over. This it. This is why you're not allowed itself. to work with children. Huh? What? What'd you what? say? This is why you're not allowed to work with children. No, that's not why. <laughs> All right, avoiding that and moving on to the next one. <laughs> I could elaborate, but I shouldn't. <laughs> According to Peter just, Billingsley. Let me just say that my my house is a certain distance away from <laughs> the school. Yeah. And that's not all Flick's tongue sticks to. Oh. <laughs> I've been drinking since the tweet. This is sticks to my suction tube. This is what happens when you take too long on the break, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. According to young Ralphie in the DVD commentary, the nonsensical ramblings that Ralphie exclaims while beating up on Scut Farkas were scripted <laughs> word for word. When I first read this bit of trivia, I thought that's crazy, but then I realized you can't make a kid his age ad lib. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it just wouldn't come out as anything. Yeah. So yeah, they had to make him memorize it. That actually makes sense. Damn you. I'll I don't know why damn you, but I, I don't know why you're cursing him for making sense, but um, but according to the director, Bob Clark, Jack Nicholson was given the script and was much interested in the role of Mr. Parker. Uh-huh. The old man. Yeah. Uh, however, Clark did not learn of this until later, and the studio didn't want to pay Nicholson's fee anyway, which would then have doubled the budget of the entire movie. Regardless, Clark said that Darren McGavin was still the better choice and was born to play the role. And I agree with him. I agree with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could recast maybe a couple parts in this. You could not recast that one. No. Darren McGavin is exactly what he's supposed to be in this movie, and he does an amazing job. You certainly couldn't recast it with Daniel Stern. We could, but then (laughs) we know how that turns out. Spoilers. Yeah. What the fuck? All right. So other trivia. There is a debate about people that have less time on their hands than we do on when the film takes place. Evidence seems to point to 1939 because of the Wizard of Oz reference. 
The decoder ring points to 1940. However, if you look at the calendar on the wall, you can clearly see that the 1st of December falls on a Friday. December 1st fell on a Friday in 1939, not in 1940, as was previously accepted, but Bing Crosby's version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town wasn't released until 1943. Well, okay, first of all, just because the calendar is on the wall does not mean it's the current year's calendar. Plenty yeah. of people leave old calendars on their wall. Yes. Good call, Tiny. The second thing, this is why I think it this I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter because this is all done in a memory of an adult as he was a child. Good point. You know, it's like, "Oh yeah, I totally remember at Christmas we listened to Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bing Crosby. You don't remember what year that came out. Mm-hmm. You just remember we always listen to it at Christmas, and it all merges into one Christmas in your mind. For all we know, the uh, the Easter Bunny uh, pajamas may have happened a year later or a year before. It's just the entire memory of Christmases is being for the BB gun is being it's merged the, into one. It's the old one. unreliable narrator. Exactly. Yeah. It's one big memory that's being merged into one. Yeah, if, if you've really got your heart set on this debate, all I can say is whenever there's something like that you don't understand, a wizard did it. Fuck yeah. All Damn right, me. so... Uh, I, I did it? <clears throat> you did. Nobody caught the Simpsons reference. I'm a little, a little disappointed in you guys. Just now you're disappointed? Yeah. I mean, are you just why, telling why us? Why don't I get that? Because it comes with the free Frogert? No, that's not the wizard. I said No, that the wizard reference was the Lucy Lawless episode. Huh. She said it in response to comic book store guy. Maybe a wizard did it? Whenever there's something like that you don't understand, a wizard did it. Huh. Lucy Lawless. Is there nothing she cannot do? All right, mm-hmm. we'll move on. I've been saying that for years and nobody ever gets it. <laughs> All right. Last trivia. <laughs> there was an elaborate fantasy sequence in which Ralphie joins Flash Gordon to fight Ming the Merciless, but was dropped from the final cut. Hmm. So dropped from the final cut suggests it may have been shot. Yeah. yeah filmed. Yeah, it was filmed but dropped. Yeah. And then they took that idea and ran with it for the sequel. No, no spoil. Wait, wait for us to shit on that movie later. <laughs> Somewhere out there is footage of of uh, Ralphie as Flash Gordon from the first movie. Dude, if that's not a DVD extra, it should be. Right. I wonder if they got commentary with Scud. Scud Frickus. Come here, Scud Frickus. All right. So, going rounding out the regular questions, first one, there there is no way that this is the first viewing of this for any of us. No. no. First yeah. viewing this year. Yeah. yeah I'm not I, sure that's even true for me. That's true for me. This was the first time I saw it this year. So, let's just go around the table. What do you think of it? I used to not really care for it too much but you know over the years it's grown on me i think that's that's my opening shot step in on there i think 
with the whole like the timeline being jazzed up, I think it is a great reflection on a kid's memories of Christmas time. I mean, this has always been a movie that I saw probably every couple years, but it's only been the last 10 to 15 or so where it's become a mainstay because it's both one of Sarah's favorite movies and it is definitely not just favorite Christmas movie, but probably favorite movie for my brother's wife. Huh. And uh, like uh, he, he, uh, I lived at the family home where they still live with my dad for years. So like when they did on TNT, they'll show a Christmas story 24 hours just looping mm-hmm. every Christmas. She'd just turn it on when it started and it was always on the TV until the marathon that. ended. I don't think I could do that, but I mean, you don't watch it the whole time, but it's always on in the background. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's not too bad. Uh, I think I've grown to enjoy it more as an adult than I did seeing it when I was younger. And it's one of those things that now I look forward to seeing it at Christmas time. I don't think I would necessarily watch it during the rest of the year just to kind of take away from its place. But it's become a mainstay every year now since I've become older for sure. Oh yeah. It definitely has it. It definitely has its place as a Christmas movie. It's not something that'll be like, you know, middle of April. I'm like, ah, you know what? I gotta watch Christmas story. <laughs> right. And yeah, it, but if for some reason it's on for some weird reason, it's on in like February, which I think is what happened this year. I'll watch it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a, not something I would turn off. Um, there, I mean, one is just, it's just so quotable. I mean, we've got the, you'll shoot your eye out. You know, you've got the double dog dare you. Um, and honestly, there is a, I got to take a picture of it. There's actually a house, maybe three doors down from me, that has a leg lamp in the front window. <laughs> yeah. Frickin, 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 I had a little frickin. miniature one. It was like uh, like 12 inches tall for a while. I don't know what happened to it. I think, I think it broke, funny enough. <laughs> Accidentally. He buried it in the backyard. And I always get sad when the turkey gets eaten. It's just Goose, the injustice of it all. <laughs> right. I just feel so bad because I know how long it takes to take a, to cook a turkey. And then it's all gone. Oh, the dogs. My heart mm. hurt. Yeah, when the, the Bumpus's dog takes it, dogs take it. See, here's one of the things that I, I, in watching it this time, you hear about, you know, first off, he doesn't say fudge. You know, I'd, oh, I'd heard this from my old man all the time, but at the whole time, every single time that his father is in the basement trying to fix something or fix the, um, the furnace, the furnace, you never actually hear a curse word out of his mouth any one single time. It's all rasm, frazzin, crazin, or in like the, um, what does he say when the, uh, when is, when he goes to bury the, uh, the leg lamp? got a finger <laughs> you know it's it's all those things like yeah i remember used to hear my old man cuss in the basement all the time but it's that blurred i mean the, the entire movie is a blurred memory and he Christmas probably didn't time. even know what the curse words were exactly so it, it sounded like jumble to him right mm-hmm. and plus they wanted to make sure that kids of the appropriate age could watch this this is going to be a movie 
that they want to be PG or PG thirteen. Oh yeah, you can't, you can't have the father be actually foul mouth for a PG movie. Right, then you're watching Bad Santa. Correct. But yeah, um, this one, I mean, it it hits. The the thing that I find interesting is that it seems to hit on everybody's memories of Christmas, even though the fact that it's set in 1940x. Right. Everybody, everybody who watches this goes into the same thing and says, "I totally remember dropping, you know, like dropping hints from my Christmas present. I totally remember, you know, wanting or this happening at school or having to write what I want for Christmas as an essay in school." There's so many things that parallel to everybody's childhood that everybody can enjoy this movie. I mean, it's the you know the the bully thing. You know, everybody at one point or another has had to deal with a bully. This one... I, I was the bully. Yeah, I know. You were. No, You're no. an asshole. We all know it. <laughs> he thinks he was the bully. He was actually Grover Dill. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I don't want to say it's... Ti- well, I, I kind of say it's timeless, but it always seems to hit on memories that everybody has. Yeah. Even if it's not your time, there's still that same anticipation for Christmas Day, that running down and throwing the presents around, trying to see which ones are mine, the who's playing Santa. I mean, all of those things are things that were traditions in my household. Mm-hmm. And I think so, the, the other side of it is you remember, you remember wanting to have those presents. You remember your mom bundling you up in that snowsuit and it feeling like, you know, you're you're entirely wrapped up in everything. You can't put your arms down, that sort of thing. And the way the movie is written is that it transitions from, oh, I totally remember having to be bundled up so bad whenever I went outside when I was a kid, to, like, Susie, I totally remember bundling up the kids when they went outside and them not being able to put their hands down. <laughs> so it kind of it crosses over from being a kid to being a parent. It goes from being nostalgia to being real life. Kind of, yeah. Poignant. <laughs> that means pregnant. I'm so deep. Pregnant with feeling. <laughs> Do it again, but louder this time. That's my impression of George Lucas directing. Pregnant with feeling. <laughs> Pregert? Pregert. Pregardent? So, Josh, what, what about you, man? Pregante. <laughs> We're not going down that rabbit hole, please. <laughs> what about you, Josh? I mean, this movie sums up... It was so important to my family that for a long time, like before Sarah and I moved in together, apart from my family, uh, the uh, Christmas Eve tradition is still to go to a Chinese restaurant. How very Jewish of you. <laughs> Which I did that one year. I, I don't remember why we did it, but I do remember going to a Chinese restaurant one year. Jewish. Because of Ferguson's. Oh, I was guessing. Oh, that's, that's more of a Christmas Day thing. Being Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's completely opposite. <laughs> I'm done. Pregnant. <Break> <laughs> So yeah, um, this was a movie that was always playing, you know, on a loop. Like like you said earlier, you know, every Christmas at my dad's house, um, 
especially Christmas Day, it would just stay on until the day that my sister married uh, the hellion that is my ex brother-in-law and he always had to have the football games on and then for a few for a few years we let that happen but then we eventually relegated him to the back rooms but <laughs> story back on we're like yeah we don't like you you can go in the back and eat your food back there no he's probably happier we was, were definitely he was I'm a sure. hellion have you not listened to the story No, this is this is like you said. It's one of those movies you can put on in the background, and it fits for for Christmas. It really yeah. does. It, I'll I mean, say, it, go ahead. Uh, preparing for this show was probably the first time I sat down and watched it with my full attention from beginning to end in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, it, I'd say that's also true. You seen you you. In your head, you know it so well. Yeah, I. You'd be hard to find somebody. Go to go to anybody, somebody, and say, "Well, actually, that happened today." Go to anybody and say, "Have you seen Have you seen a Christmas story?" And I have people, millennials. Fuck millennials. Oh no, I've never seen Christmas story. I've never had the need to. Like, you know why? Because you've never wanted anything. They hand things over to you. You fucking millennial. Um. I'm sorry, did I go off on a tangent there? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, um, not a particularly relevant one. <laughs> no, yeah, it was a little, yeah. No, I mean, there's people in my in that I work with that have never seen A Christmas Story. Which and, is kind of hard to do. I know. I mean, even if you don't intentionally want to watch it, it comes on so often. Mm-hmm. It's just like chlamydia. Wait, what? That's next week's show. Shh. Are you gonna? I I got nothing. And Patrick, I don't. I don't I'm about even to put a pillow over, over my face. I can't even save that. I'm just. I I got nothing. I'm not. All right. So let's go to favorite scenes. Hmm. I mean, I don't know that we need to do a plot breakdown. Maybe some of our international listeners are not intimately familiar with this. Are you fucking millennials? I'm sorry, what? I went over there again. Yeah, cut that out. <laughs> but, because uh, it is in a, a uniquely American kind of story. Mm-hmm. Set in Indiana, Indiana and filmed in Cleveland. But uh, I know that for most of us, like if you are middle-aged and uh, live in the Midwestern United States, you know this film so well that we'd be wasting a bunch of time going over the plot. Joel, so, favorite scene? Uh, I, I still think my favorite scene, it's a toss-up between the um, the Santa Claus scene where he totally forgets what to say and then he you know, gets pushed down the slide and stops himself to say the whole thing about the Red Rider BB gun only to get dissed by Santa or the oh that one always makes me laugh I think I my personal favorite I think is probably the uh, decoder ring <laughs> just the look on his face when he figures out drink more Ovaltine he's, he's like Oh damn it! <laughs> Commercial, son of a bitch. That's what it was, son of a bitch. And that was an important life lessons to learn. <laughs> it 
seriously, I mean, just think about how uh, how many of us it took a while to figure out that how you know, advertising works exactly. Oh, and yeah. that was just a perfect way to sum it up. Personally, I'm a huge fan of Ralphie. Uh, no, not Ralphie. Randy in the cupboard. <laughs> oh, <With> the milk <laughs> when he's yes. hiding. Daddy's gonna uh, kill, kill Ralphie. Ralphie. Yeah. <laughs> I am a I'm a huge fan of Mom, just because there's so much ridiculousness going on around her, like Ralphie hiding in the cabinet, uh, and she's just kind of like she, boy. she kind of just shrugs it off, you know. All right, so this is what's going to happen today. But you can see the pent up resentment with her character, especially in the scenes with the lamp. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've always been jealous. Yeah, <laughs> it, it for me it's between it's between the leg lamp scene and the other scene for my favorites because the leg just the whole thing of him opening it up you it must be Italian fragile fragile I think it's his fragile tear how would they deliver a bowling alley and then he goes into the whole thing about that they wouldn't deliver the bowling alley they would send the they would send the deed right. <laughs> And what kind of major award is that, by the way? Right? <laughs> I'm standing outside of the front of the house, and his friend's like, oh, what's that? And he's like, it's a major award. He's, the other guy turns to the next neighbor. It's a major award. My and, best guess is it was like an office raffle, and he misinterpreted it. Maybe. Uh, I just, <laughs> the hell kind of contest are you entering, dude? Right. Because <laughs> they never really explained where it came from, just that it was something he won. See, one of the one of the things I like about it was they're leaving to go get the Christmas tree. And she runs back and she's got to turn off oh, I have to turn off the light. We have to save electricity. And she turns out the light on the lamp. And I don't know if you noticed it, but every other freaking light in the house is on when they leave. <laughs> She goes in, she turns off the leg lamp and gets back in because we want to save you want to save electricity, but she she only turns off the leg lamp. The entire leg lamp thing is a riot. Um I I like when they're putting up the Christmas tree and he's on the ladder complaining that the star is in the wrong place. The star is crooked. Almost falls yeah. into the tree and it goes from being like just slightly askew to being completely like a 90 degree angle from the original tree. I missed that. Oh, there's there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of little things in this one cuz he I mean he he jumps on the tree, he tries to straighten the star and the star goes from being like at 1 o'clock to being at like 4 o'clock. <laughs> and he's like, "Look at that. It's perfect." <laughs> you know. I don't know how I missed that. Oh yeah. It just it's just little things in there. I mean, and him fighting with the furnace and this is something that I have issue with um, among one of many things I have issue with with the version two is you never you never see him actually go in and fight the furnace. Right, it's all you know um, it's implied. Yeah, right. implied uh, off screen. You know, yeah. Yeah, because if you're if you're 11 years old, your dad's not going to help ask you to go come downstairs and help with the furnace. He's just going to go down there and do it, and you can hear it echoing through. And again, again, it's another one of those child's memories amplified by the adult remembering them. Well, and Darren McGavin, as the old man, he has this undercurrent of legitimately intimidating. 
Oh, yeah. He's warm, but in a very 1940s dad sort of way. He's a little bit off kilter. Even yeah. though he's friendly, but, but you know, don't push him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he is almost less of a parody of a hard-ass dad than, like, Red Foreman from that 70s show. Right. Dumbass. <laughs> oh, Red. No, I agree with you on that one. He, he really is. I think he's more... I mean, he is a he is a parody in the head of a child that's remembering, but at the same time, the needle is swings more to center for him than it would for Red Foreman. For sure. All right. So, if you were to recast this movie right now, who would you cast as the as the old man? Absolutely not whoever the fuck it was in part. No, two. no, no. I'm, but I'm saying perfect recasting. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the second movie later. Right now, if not, if that movie doesn't exist and, and you hear they're recasting it, who would you like them to cast? Jesus. Hmm. Kurtwood Smith. That's almost too obvious, though. I think well, I might go with Brian Cranston. See, that's Ooh. too obvious to me. He'd be good at it, but it all is almost too obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Nice, nice, nice question. Makes us all home. Wait, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> it is a remake. <laughs> You're onto something. But it's gonna have an exclamation point at the end or something, then. <laughs> Him or Anne Margaret. Just ca- recast every role with Gary Oldman. He can transform <laughs> himself perfectly into Mom, Ralphie, Randy. Right. The entire cast will be will be Gary Oldman and Eddie Murphy. Hercules, Hercules. They play every single role. Gary Oldman is all of the bumpus hounds. I got it. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Oh. Oh. No? Too soon? Oh. Oh. Lewis Black. You know, that ain't bad. Yeah. An interesting take. I honestly don't think he could pull it off, but it's worthy of discussion. Hmm. I think he'd go too far into parody. You would go past Red Foreman. Yeah, because that's like... That's like the line. Robert Duvall. You, know, you had to look at him from, from uh, what was the movie? that um, Expelled? The one with Justin Long, where he played the dean? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's actually pretty good. Fuck that. Bring Jack Nicholson. More, a little bit, uh, I don't know. Hey. I, I think he could do it. Bring Jack Nicholson back. He's not dead. Thank you for that. That's why he wants to bring him back. <gasps> Dude, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh. What do you think? Eh? I don't know. I think Tommy Lee Jones has kind of always played Tommy Lee Jones. Harvey Keitel? Idris Elba. <laughs> Interesting. We're going for a different take. He can play anything. Emo Phillips. Chevy Chase? Um. Oh, Dan Eckard. I would Phillips. like to, but the I mean, I the fact that he's an asshole would always be floating in the back of my head. Yeah. But I'm going back to my original Kurt Woodsmith. All right, so I'm going to just go ahead and, and start the thumbs up, thumbs down. Wait, wait, wait. Richard, a, oh, wait, wait. Are we saving that for the end? Wait, no, wait, wait, no, no, no. One more. Ready? Yeah. Christopher Walken. That would raise the creepiness level. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like, I mean, like, you know, the whole him going down in the in the basement is not, you know, he'd he come up with like, with, with like an oxygen mask on. <laughs> no, that was Dennis Hopper. What if uh, Christopher Walken played Ralphie? Oh, fudge. 
Now, since Joel <gasps> jokingly said Idris Elba, I was wondering if you decided to maybe shift the decade and make this a black family, who would be the old man? And I'd make a case for Danny Glover in the old man. Role. Oh, totally. I'm behind oh. you on that one. Yeah, I think that would yeah. be that'd be a good fit. You probably don't have it in the 40s. Oh, you know who we're forgetting from for if we're doing it the the originals casting? Right. How about the old man is Michael Caine? Huh. Sexy Michael Caine? No. <laughs> not sex. This is the one time we do not call upon the sacred patron saint of 40 going on 14. He sexy has to Michael ugly Caine. himself up? Too no, he just British? be too British? <laughs> Maybe. I don't I don't know. <laughs> He's correct. Let's go with Sean Connery. Uh, no. Fuck that. Ken Watanabe. <laughs> Watanabe. Watanabe. Whoever the hell is. Him. That dude. Zachary Quinto. Let's really fuck it up. <laughs> okay, we have gone off the rails. All right. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Patrick, go. Thumbs up. Joel. Thumbs up, of course. Josh. Pretty obvious thumbs up. Mike. Oh, thumbs up. I was going to say, that's you. It is? Yes. Oh, fuck. All right. Yes. Thumbs up. I don't think any of us do not like this movie. No. Some there's, of... there's, a, there's this love all around for this movie. Yeah. I especially do not think that because we all explicitly just said that. Yes. <laughs> so stick around. And in a little while, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about A Christmas Story 2 which was a thing that we watched. Yeah. That was the thing that we watched for this show. Stick it around or, or don't. That's actually my yeah. advice. Or, no, please stick around. I'll go yeah. think about whenever there's train wrecks, things get very interesting. All right, we're back. And we're not happy about it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, maybe not about what we're talking about. But. I know. I'm, I'm glad to be. I'm glad to be hanging out with my friends, doing a podcast. Because that's honestly all we wanted to do to start this thing. Just hang out, find a reason to hang out. So anyway, but sometimes we have to watch movies that aren't good. So we watched a Christmas Story two. Currently, Rotten Tomatoes, it's a not applicable because no critics have reviewed this movie, and 38%. And that's was too this, high. Was this direct-to-video? It Yes, it was. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no way of releasing this shite in the theaters. Should, should no. have been direct-to-recycle bin. Exactly. Let's, but let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I, would, I don't want to spoil it, though. Yeah, no spoilers on this one. This is directed by a one, Brian Levant. Who is known for the Flintstones, Jingle All the Way, The Spy Next Door, Puchinski, Father Can't Cope. What else has he done? Beethoven and Jingle All the Way kind of made put this into context for me. Yeah, I could definitely um, see that influence for sure. Problem I Child would. 3. Oh my god, that might that might be one of the worst franchise of movies ever. 
problem or child. Um, <laughs> the Flintstones has the distinct honor of being the only movie I've ever started and stopped and never came back and watched. That so, yeah, speaks volumes. Because you'll yeah, watch... The movie's bad enough for Joel to give up on it. Joel would watch a 40-minute video of a turd drying in the sun. Dude, I saw that last week. See? Now, here's the other thing. turn white. This, this, is a, this is a man who, who would love to watch, like, I don't know, something bad like Sharknado versus Anne Frank or something. <gasps> is that a thing? <laughs> he unironically watches the stuff that most people watch ironically. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. He watches it for cinematic value. That's our Joel. <laughs> That's our Joel. All right, so the writing credits is Gene <laughs> Shepard. Whoa, whoa. Um, who wrote the novel that the original movie was based upon, and Nat Malden, who is known for, (laughs) who is the writer, ready for this, for, now this is is where it gets confusing, because I love Barney Miller, and he wrote... Well, he was almost certainly a staff writer on Barney Miller. Oh, yeah. One of Barney Miller, Night Court, nine episodes of Night Court, uh... Capital Critters? What the hell is that? That was a a, a political based uh, puppet show with animals. And Pat, is that uh, Bing Crosby singing the Barney Miller theme? Yes. Pete Martin. Yeah. He uh he wrote. That's slow Dean Martin. Uh, what did he write? He wrote Open Season. A terrible animated movie by who was that? Was that Ashton Kutcher and uh, yeah, Ashton Kutcher, Martin Loris, produced by who was it? Wasn't DreamWorks? Was it? it was uh... I th- no, I think it was DreamWorks. Sure wasn't Pixar. Yeah, sure no. as hell wasn't Pixar. Anyway, moving on to other bad things. He also was the writer for the movie Downtown. In case oh, you the lights are bright, right? In case, oh god. In case you've been wondering, uh, if, if you took Anthony Edwards and Forrest Whitaker and put them in a movie where Anthony Edwards was a cop in the ghetto, hmm. 1990s smash hit, maybe. Oh, man, this dude wrote the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle. Yep. The first Dr. Doolittle was not bad. The first Dr. Doolittle was two and a half hours long. Well, animals have a lot to say. That's because nobody's listened to them. Oh, no! So when, when somebody finally does, they got a lot to say. Mm-hmm. All right, so this stars Daniel Stern. Stars in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. This yeah. stars Daniel Stern, who has strangely morphed into my high into my uh, college roommate. Did he, did he also have a stroke? Did Daniel he Stern? He does have... look a little like Jay in this movie. He really does look like Jay a lot in this movie. <laughs> Jay, I'm apologizing right now, but Daniel Stern looks a lot like you. Anyway, we need, we need to find a guy that looks like Joe Pesci. Hang out with Jay at Gen Con. <laughs> Done. All right. So, also starring or appearing, Brendan Braden, Braden, Braden LeMasters as Ralph Parker, the now five years older Ralphie, who is known as. The Eighth Grade Kid in Easy A, which, honestly, that was a pretty good movie. You believe I still haven't seen it as much as I want to? 
Really? I haven't either. I've oh, heard good things, though. It's really it's been on my list for... I'm such a huge Emma Stone fan. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, also known as Kellen in R.L. Stein's Monsterville, The Cabinet of Souls. So there's his career right there. Stacy Travis as Mother. Who, you, well, some of you might remember her from Hardware. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, she looked familiar. Mystery Men? Yeah, she looked familiar, and she has a large and flat face. All right. No one's going to comment on that. So you well, broke you, up pretty badly. Yeah, you went to computer land for a second. Oh, I did. You, she, you pulled a Max Hedger, and you're like, she has a large... Sorry about that. Flat face. She has a large and flat face. Oh. Oh, yeah. And she's That's... a terrible mother. Who takes their child to a dentist like that? Oh, okay, I'll agree with you. That was pretty awful. That was terrible. My mom did. Uh, You're trying to save a few bucks. Yeah. Uh, Valin Shanae has Randy, the little brother, who has appeared as Naughty, the Toyland detective, in Naughty, the Toyland detective. (laughs) I don't know why that's so funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's, I mean, he's, he's, Naughty, the Toyland detective, and he's also been in Beyblade Burst. In case you were Beyblade Burst, in ca- <laughs> overacting <laughs> child in overacting child, right? In case you were looking for your anime, yeah, anime, he's team. perfect for the Problem Child franchise, right? Uh, Gerard Plunkett as Hank Kastenhauer. Was that the was that the guy who's selling the cars? Yes, yes. Um, uh, he, he made a w- killing. Hey. He was the stepfather in Sucker Punch. Never saw it. Oh. You know what you need to do? You need to get completely either drunk or baked and then watch Sucker Punch. That's the only way to watch that movie. I'm not going to watch it. It's, it's just visually like, impressive. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same Avatar thing. If I want to watch a movie with no plot and, and a bunch of whatever, I'll go to a, ride a theme park ride. What? Those are pretty, those are a theme park ride is pretty and has no plot. That's what Avatar is. That's what Sucker Punch is. No, I don't want to. I don't care about a movie that's made just to look pretty. I want some plot. Okay. Okay. Thirty-eight tabs. <laughs> so that's what I look at if I want to just see something that looks pretty and has no plot. So anyway, before we get any deeper down that role, David Michael Paul as Schwartz, who is known for being in Agents of Shield. As yeah, he's been on a lot of TV. Justin, victorious as the flower bomber, or in 10.0 Earthquake as Warner. You know what? I'm disappointed in you, David Michael Paul, as is your mother. She's probably not. Let's move on before he starts bitching about millennials. <laughs> Fuck millennials. <laughs> David W. Thompson, known for Green Room. Where he was Tad and Win Win, where he was Stemler, and what the fuck is Coin? I love how you're breaking down everybody's CVs because we don't want to talk about this. Coin height. I don't want to talk about this movie. It well, sucks. we're about to get to someone's uh, who is interesting, who I rec- uh, recognize, Tierra Scovbier. Tierra Scovbier. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about uh, Riverdale. That oh. was she played Polly. Shit, she was young Bella in Supernatural. I watch that show all the time. I'm watching Nobody. It. Yes, Riverdale. Well, I, didn't, Polly... I didn't watch Riverdale, remember? I wasn't on that show. Ah, right. Ah, Polly Cooper. Yes, I totally... Uh, yes. Yeah, she's actually had a career. Yes. 
Polly Cooper, she's also been in something called Revenge Porn. Patrick, take note. She's been on Once Upon a Time. She's been on Supernatural. Something called Sugar Babies. Everything everything that she has has in parentheses TV movie. Yeah, she's done a ton of TV. Yes. R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour, and then moved into Supernatural, and then went to Spooksville, and then went into the unauthorized Save by the Bell story. What? Yeah, honestly, Riverdale is probably her... Riverdale and Once Upon a Time are the biggest things in her career. And, and those she's, are pretty big things. More than likely, she's probably the biggest star outside of... Uh, what's his face? Daniel, Daniel Stern. Stern. Yeah. So, but anyway, good for you, Tierra. Anyway, moving on. Trivia. Mm-hmm. Daniel Stern plays the old man. He was a narrator on The Wonder Years, which itself was inspired by A Christmas Story. That's interesting. Almost all the gags in this movie were inspired by A Christmas Story. That (laughs) is literally all the trivia IMDb has on this movie. You don't say this was inspired by a christmas story huh? and inspired is a weird way to say shamelessly ripped off yeah from. okay so this movie is what would happen if you took all the soul out of christmas story and then raped its sister <laughs> things got dark it escalated quickly. And, then he, and then you add you ask chuck Lorre to rewrite the script and then you take that and you run it through google translate I mean, then, the first 10 minutes, I was like, this is not as bad as the guys claimed it was. And then right around minute 15, I was like, oh, maybe it was. That's what I, I told think, you. Right around minute 12 or so was when I was ready to rage quit. I think Kevin Spacey wrote the novelization. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> no, I think Wallace Shawn did. No, we're not bringing him into <laughs> no, this. We're not doing that again. <laughs> um. I mean, it starts kind of okay. It's like you know what they're going for. Yeah, maybe the acting's not quite as good. But then they get to the slapstick bit with him in the car that he wants. Yeah. And that's where it all goes to shit and stays in shit until the end of the movie. Because I was annoyed when they made such a big deal about him getting in the car. It's like... First of all, if your dad has business dealings with this guy buying cars all the time, it's not going to be that big of a deal for you to be in a car. Second of all, you're on a car lot. You can sit in the car if you want. It's mm-hmm. not illegal to be in a car. I don't care who, you know. Like. And why do you display a car like that? Well, that actually was a, a way that they did used to display cars. So you could look underneath and see the engine and the suspension and all that kind of stuff. Because oh. it, okay. cars, cars were still fairly new luxury items and you wanted to make sure you know and they, they were showing it off to everybody so that actually was a way they well, and they still do that with like jeeps and stuff look at okay, you smarty mccarson but the whole scene itself was ridiculously over the top stupid you know and like of course he ends up you know pantsless and of course everything seems like it's okay but of course something happens after everything seems like it's okay it's like every single Bad sitcom comedy trope is done in this movie. Yeah, it totally felt like a made-for-TV movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. And no. I have a theory about this movie. Uh oh. I'll get to it later. All right. This okay. Here's here's my statement. This movie feels like it was written and directed by a theater, uh, second-year theater student with a 2.0 grade average. 
And Joel, I'm apologizing to you right now. <laughs> Why do you assume he had a 2.0 grade point average? He had a much higher grade point average. Yeah, it was like 2.8. <laughs> Shut up, Pat. No, I mean, this this entire thing felt like overacted theater. Yeah. yeah the acting... community theater. Mm-hmm. The acting was uniformly terrible, with the exception of Drusilla. It's weird that the biggest star is one of the worst actors. Then you've got everybody's terrible, except for the eye candy love interest, who's actually fairly decent. Mm-hmm. But not given any kind of depth, any kind of anything. And then just for some reason falls in love with the main character at the last minute. Well, and let's not let it not be said that the entire movie was taking things from the first film that are beloved and overusing them. Yeah, oh, for the, sure. The just, furnace. Just completely the, bastardizing them. The flashbacks. The the thing that just made me go, okay, I'm I'm out, I'm done, is where he puts his tongue into the suction. Yeah. To, what the fuck? And yeah. it wasn't just that they let it go with the tongue. They had to show his whole lips being... Yeah, the, the prosthetic mouthpiece. I went, know. really? Really? Is that where we're going with this? Because yeah, there's ab- this movie has absolutely no no charm or subtlety. No. That's exactly right. it. There is absolutely no charm to this movie. There is 100% charm to the original Christmas story because you're like, I remember, I don't care how old you are, you remember wanting whatever present it was so bad that you tried to drop hints to your parents the entire season. 2.8 grade point average. Right. <laughs> I didn't it, get it, I wanted it was it. like everybody was, instead of deciding to take a legitimately new spin on the character they'd been assigned, they decided to do a parody of the character from the original film. Mm-hmm. And then take the same plot lines and just rehash them and make them worse. Yeah. So, you know what? I'll, you know, I'll, okay. Okay. Here's screw it. Here's my, here's my theory. This is my theory on this movie. All right. You take, you take a Christmas story, the first movie, and it's a, it's a guy like in his thirties, forties, our age, whatever, reminiscing, talking about his childhood, you know, and he's looking back on everything, you know, and he's telling, fun stories to people and they're enjoying it and everything and whatever and yada yada you know Mm -hmm. well this movie is that same man at 70 whatever 80 whatever years old sitting in a bar sitting in a nursing home whatever trying to tell the same stories to people that don't even care to listen to him and he's mumbling and jumbling up all the facts (laughs) and like i remember there was a, a you know there was a furnace and my dad hated it and you know, and I remember my dad he would would say things and wise things and standard things and and like the whole thing is like filtered through this you know, just drunken adult mind you know and it's it's like the same stories but just none of the heart no and they're all jumbled up that and and of all the drug addled phrases that you just used there is no heart to this movie is what it comes down to you know. Yeah. As crappy as your theory is, there was more <laughs> thought put into it than there was put into making this film. <laughs> well, was this better or worse than the than the Last Dragon equals Star Wars retelling? No, this was this was better, but for a worse movie. 
<laughs> yeah, this is more like the Phantom Menace. I, I just like usually when you guys beat me to the punch because I've been procrastinating on watching the movie and you tear down the film, my expectations are so low that I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to be the dark horse because I think this is going to be bad and it's not as bad as I thought it was. Somehow it was worse. No, it was. Daniel Stern, you should be ashamed of yourself. He was so, so hamming it up in this. I mean, every, I mean, you, I've talked about this before, how I can't stand it when you, when you can see an actor acting, and that's what he was mm-hmm. doing this entire movie. The, in the like, entire time he was in this movie, he's like, every line he said should have been, I'm trying to get a paycheck. I got two words for you. Ice uh, fishing. The oh. And the kid who played oh. Randy, with the possible exception of the child actor who played Dennis the Menace in the Dennis movies, <laughs> Holy he shit. might be the most insufferable, annoying, unwatchable child actor I've ever seen play a role. Yeah, he was pretty awful. Yeah, he's a cock. Well, and who was waiting for the mom who was saving the money to either A, buy the turkey, or B, uh, use the money for Ralph? And it never, they never played out that storyline, did they? There were no, so well, many she things. She fish to save the dad's ego. Oh, that's what it was. That, but she had way more money than that saved. She could have bought the fucking turkey. Yeah, I was like, I, the thought, fish. I thought she bought the leg. No, that no, was no, Ralph. No. That was Ralph, yeah. Ralph, he bought oh. the leg. When they decided to make this weird point about how he suddenly cares about the homeless and his family. Yeah, out of nowhere. And that was the thing is that's not a bad point to make, but it's out of nowhere and they don't earn it. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the tire thing is going to come back into play when the kid says, of I want to, I want a wheel or whatever. He's like, I oh, want gee, a tire. I, be, I bet you that's not going to come up later. <sighs> yeah. That was, tra- you could, that was just transmitted from miles away. I mean, you could see what was going to happen, but, uh, and, and just suddenly out of nowhere, the, the, the love interest that he hasn't even spoken to the whole movie decides I'm going to break up with my, my handsome football player boyfriend and, and come after you. Right. Because you were, you got your ass beat while you were dressed as a reindeer. And that's my fetish. Yeah. I, she I did say that actually, <laughs> that's actually a line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot recommend enough not watching this movie. I would it's rather have a battery curiosity. Don't do it. No, seriously. I would rather have a battery acid enema than watch this movie again. Okay. That might be a bridge too far. Yeah. I don't know if I'll go that far. I want to watch it again to avoid that. Well, it was your curiosity that drove this train. Yeah. Back. This was even worse than I imagined because this, this was the bad kind of bad where it's just not even like bad enough to enjoy on a weird bad level like star crash as much as i hated that it was still kind of like okay it was so bad i can you know bring it up bring it up all the time and make fun of it this movie was just so plainly vanilla bad that it's just annoying that this was even made because it's just i mean it it took something so good and so i don't want to use the word pure but um so so much so much of fabric so much a part of the fabric of Christmas to everybody and pretty much just shit all over its mouth. You know where I I realized that this movie was gonna suck. 
when the credits rolled? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, when Randy actually swore, when the little when the little brother well, actually the son of a bitch at the beginning, yeah, yeah. when he's a... the son of a bitch at the very beginning because it was like, and she says, you know, you're gonna earn yourself some bar time, and I'm like, oh man, are they really gonna just rehash everything from the first movie and that... that's exactly what they did? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this, and it's just one of those things where it's like I've mentioned this again several times in the podcast. I love just turning my brain off and enjoying a movie. And when I can sit there and go, oh, are they going to now do this? And, oh, is this going to happen next? Oh, they're going to do this now? And it's, everything is just so obvious. It's just, it, it's just, it's a waste of time. And that's just really annoying. The entire movie was just like a, I mean, they put enough flags in there. Like, oh, hey, we're going to eat at an Asian restaurant. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. Hey, there's a leg lamp oh. in the window. That. Oh, we're we're gonna go caroling and we're gonna sing "Deck the Halls." Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, I missed that point. Um, but no, they, I mean they, they had to. It, they put that in there at one point. You know? Yeah, and I. I mean, there was just nothing original or good in this movie. No, if I was okay, I like a Christmas story. I like the first one. If I was like a super fan and they came out with this, I would be angry. I would be yeah, like if you're one of those people that goes to the cons and everything. For the I don't I don't know. Is there a Christmas? Story there there now? are Christmas story cons. Yeah, there are. Almost certainly. Oh, what? Yeah. Excuse me while I go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, it's just like there's a big Lebowski con. Dude, there are conventions for like every show ever, and they're all like two hundred dollars a day to attend. Barney Miller Con. Boom, 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 boom. Big Crosby's back. We need to do a convention, dude. Is there Been one? There. <laughs> yeah, right. Is there one? I I suppose. Oh, I, thought we... searched, I thought you searched for it. No, no, no. I'm saying we need one. A forty go fourteen con. Yeah, the problem is, is these cons are all uh, kind of ratcheted around someone notable appearing. And you only got me, so. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> hey, we flew somebody in. Who? Pat. It's I'm Pat. <laughs> it almost makes me wish I, we would have watched the Christmas Story live instead. And yeah. that's that's a big leap. Yeah, because that did not get good reviews. No, but but I it, mean, I can't even say this was a disappointment because I did not expect it to be good. But I just didn't expect what I didn't expect was for it to just be bland. It was, you know, it was bad community theater. It aspired to the level of an episode of Perfect Strangers and missed. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Oh my god, that's awful! And that's the reason, actually, why I you want Josh even, on this show. You can't even live up to perfect strangers. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. You- <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't think of it. Damn it! Oh my god! Like, you are going. <laughs> you're getting. You're getting bumped for small wonder. <laughs> oh my god. Balky outacted you. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so all right, as we did your favorite scene from the previous movie from 
A Christmas Story 1. Oh, shit. What was your most hated scene? Oh, shit. I thought you were going to oh. ask for a favorite. No, no, no. I want to know what, you, what, what made you fuck, say fuck this the most. When he stood up to Santa Claus. Because I was like... I was like, are they? Because I got angry because I'm like, are they really gonna just make this kid be Santa Claus now? I thought that's where they were going with it, like, and he was gonna end up being Santa Claus and like making people's dreams and blah blah blah. And I was like, that's what I thought. Yeah, and my I blood was getting ready to boil, so I it was. The ham-fisted a dad learns a lesson about marriage thing with the ice fishing with mom. Mm. I was very annoyed during that scene. Yeah, because I, I was like. Who acts like this? And then if you do act like this, you're a total dick. Yeah. So the whole like, the whole like, you know, my wife can't catch a fish. I have to be the one catching the fish. You know, it's like that's just such a dumb chauvinistic whatever trope. And I guess he wasn't even reminiscent of the original father. No, not at all. Wasn't even a shadow. Because the original father was still a good father. Oh yeah, and that's and that's part and, of it. And, and he loved his wife. You could tell in the first movie too. Yeah, I mean there was that. I mean, granted, the old man in the first one was rough. He was gruff. He cussed at the heater, all that stuff. But he loved his kids, and he loved his wife. He was a family guy. In this one, you know what? Stern, fuck you. You're out <laughs> in the middle of the lake. I wish you had frozen to death. I mean, he almost feels, you know, feels like his family's a burden to him in this movie, in this version. If I didn't have this family, I could be ice fishing all the time. <laughs> I could be one of them semi-truck driving serial killers. What? <laughs> wow, that went in a weird direction. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they hammered his, uh, like, trying to be frugal into his entire character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole scene with the when they go to the store to buy the turkey. That was super annoying. Or the, or the scene when when he's talking about how, you know, the power was out for 3 days and we had to throw out everything, not the condiments. You know, I'm like <laughs> Well, plus the old man would never have bucked no matter how much the turkey cost cuz that was his thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was his treat every year. Yeah, this he is not. He would have complained, but he'd have paid it because you know. Mm-hmm. Because it's turkey. This is not and the he, old man from the it, first in movie. In his eyes, he earned it. That's his treat. Hmm. No. And, and and the whole scene when they're like, "Oh, we had a routine for buying cars." I'm like, "How many cars do you go through?" Right. <laughs> There's not much room in the back. Yeah, that's what your mom said, bitch. <laughs> Whoa. And, you know, I, I there were so many bad things about this movie. It's hard to pick just one. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it's, it, it, I mean, as far as the acting goes, it's it's hard to even say it was bad because it was just it was overacting. It was that you know it was that bad community theater you know projecting too much. Joel, you're trying to get in there with your worst scene. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the uh, the car the car scene. Where his pants get stuck, I just I, I tuned out after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the second that it it just went pink and barely touched the light pole, I'm like, oh well, you know, light pole's gonna fall on it. You know, something's gonna happen. This isn't done. 
Mm-hmm. Because that's what you know it says in the comedy, you know, how to write comedy book from 1950. 1952. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Henny Youngman. Henny? You will not speak ill of Henny Youngman. Take my wife, please. Okay, written by some guy who was the comedy, you know, host at the Catskills. How about that? Yes. Whoever that guy is, screw he him. Hosted, he hosted the open mic at the Catskills in the 1950s. That's weirdly specific, but yeah, <laughs> screw him. <laughs> That's my fetish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean this. <sighs> the thing is, is it's this movie was remade. By a bunch of people that didn't care, nor did they enjoy the first movie. Yeah, it was like they just, you know, like someone gave them a checklist. This movie's got to have a leg lamp in it. It's got to have this in it. It's got to have that in it. It's got to have cursing in it. It's got to have, you know, it's yeah. got to have a, a bad Santa, you know, just uh. bad Santa. I do have to say some of the lines that bad Santa had were pretty awesome. Mike just desperately wants to talk about any movie except for this. Pretty much. <laughs> no. Bad Santa. Yeah, Mike's all like, can we can we go back to Hill Street Blues? <laughs> yeah. Let's I I would rather talk about a TV show that I've never seen than this movie. <laughs> tell tell me more about this Hill Street Blues. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. All right, are we are we gonna is, go with is the Seinfeld on? <laughs> are we gonna go with thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, no, way, it's not. Down. Say it again because you blanked out on me. I said it's pretty obvious we're all thumbs down. Yeah. Way down. Yeah. Daniel Stern, I had so much hope in you. I hated it, and I liked Return to Oz. Joel liked Star Crash, and he hates this. Come on, Bat. What's not nothing to like? <laughs> Thank you. You knew what I wanted. I always do. Daniel Stern was in something called City Slickers in Westworld. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you rapping now? What the hell was that noise? <laughs> that was me trying not to laugh at that, but I couldn't help it. <laughs> it did turn into like a rap superstar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying not to laugh, but it no, did not work. You should laugh. We <laughs> should. In Westworld. We should all laugh at Daniel Stern. The children are right, Ralphie. The children are right. <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> Daniel Stern, you suck. <laughs> yeah, this this was a bad movie. And yeah, a bad thing. If he if did a bad bad thing, Daniel Stern. If anybody in your family or friends ever says, hey. I like Christmas Story. We should watch Christmas Story 2. Kill them. Yes. <laughs> that is a better alternative than letting them watch this movie. <laughs> friends don't let friends watch Christmas Story 2. Yes, this is a terrible, terrible movie. And if, you should... if you go before the judge and you say he was about to watch Christmas Story 2, you will be exonerated. Right. They'd be like, you know what? That's right. It's a terrible movie. You're good. <laughs> And if the judge doesn't know, you tell them, you go in your quarters and you watch that movie and you will come back with a not guilty bird. Right. But they'll probably hang themselves before they come back. This movie sucks. You're, in, you're really, like, certain about this. <laughs> 
All right. This, do do this, we have anything else terrible to say about this movie? Nope. Let's uh let's let's put this week behind us and find out what we've got going on next week, gentlemen. Right. Yeah, so next week to having a kidney stone. To yeah. So next week. What we're going to talk about health and wellness issues that we've had over the years. It's going to be a weird one. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be one where if you were our physicians and doing our next week's show, you would be uh, committing a lot of HIPAA violations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about diseases we've had over the years. (laughs) It's going to be way more fun than it sounds. Funguses we found on our bodies. (laughs) Maybe not as fun as that. (laughs) Well, if you want to... uh, Share your thoughts about your pleasant memories of a Christmas story. You can always give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you've had Hep C, give us a call <laughs> at that number. <laughs> you can find our older stuff at 708. That's not true. <laughs> this movie is so bad it got me drunk. iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry. Search us on the web, you will find us. Oh, the pusses you'll go. Pusses? I'm going to talk a lot about pus next week. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Merry Christmas. Hap- one happy newish year yet. Joel, are Try you still here? Shoot your eye out. Yeah, don't shoot your eye out. Joel, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Say something funny and lead us out, man. <laughs> Oh, that's slow, Curly. Don't pay any attention to him. I don't know how to do it. (laughs) All right. That was like slow, Curly, fine. I was a Howard. He was a Howard, but I'm just imagining they have a fourth stooge called Slow Curly. How wise guy! Oh, Jesus. Oh, shit. And every time he brings his hands up to block the, the poke in the eye, he's always like five seconds too 